Um, I have a question for you. Yeah? So we have been on a little mini, mini tour of little children having bonds with animals, a.k.a. Uh Air Bud, a.k.a. Herbie, a.k.a. Horse Girls. Mm -hmm. My question is, if you were were a tween and you found a (laughs) wild animal... Which 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 animal would you bond with? What would you what would you be? Yeah. Okay. So so this is, I mean, this whole conversation is spurred on by so many conversations that we have had over the last several days. Off. We watched uh, Airbud last night. That's all you need we, to know. We watched Airbud last night. It's a very good movie. It is. Um. We, Ain't no we, rules that say a dog can't play basketball. <laughs> Ain't no rules that says a dog can't play basketball. Uh, we're, we're neglecting to mention, of course, uh, one of the other pillars of this genre, uh, which is Free Willy. Oh, fuck. I've never yeah. seen Free Willy. Yeah, I did see Free Willy. It, it ends with the very, uh, the very emotional, impactful scene of, uh, of, of the whale jumping over the barricade and then going out into the ocean to be free. Oh, so, so they spoiled it in the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn it! What's uh, the point of watching? <laughs> the point is to watch a boy grow appreciation for the animals of the world and okay. their place in nature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think that if I was a a, a little tween girl running around. I mean, I think that most likely I would be in the woods, right? Yeah, so it absolutely. Pro- it, it should be a woods animal. Yeah. Um. Let's go. Well, honestly, if we're gonna do a woods animal, why not just go all the way and say bear? Oh my gosh, I'd watch it. Fucking <laughs> little baby Jupiter bear movie. Yeah, just imagining like there's a scene where your parents like swing an axe towards the bear while it's eating like a dead deer and you're getting the way and you say, but daddy, I love him. (laughs) Yeah, it it starts a movie opens uh, with uh, well, first off, obviously, as part of my movie, you've got to set up the uh, family drama, the family tension. Yeah, Um, yeah. There probably should be some sort of traumatic death in the family that happens off screen. Your other bear. Um, other bear. Yeah, my dad. My first dad was a bear, and now it's my yeah. stepdad who's a human. <laughs> it's I, not I the look same. at. I look at pictures uh, on my when we move into a new house in Maine. Yeah, and you have uh, a framed uh, newspaper clipping of your dad being murdered. <laughs> Of my of uh yeah the uh the hunting trip that mm-hmm. that led to my my dad's death my bear dad yeah. um yeah. uh and I go off into the into the woods of Maine uh and <laughs> and you see a bear and, and you go dad <laughs> and, <laughs> no I think what I think I see a ba- a bear cub in a bear mm-hmm. trap and I help it out oh okay. Yeah, that's where it gets started. Yeah, yeah, and then what's I what's it called? The bear. The movie. Oh, the movie. Well, the movie and the bear would probably have the same name. Um, 
Well, okay. What's a, what's an extraordinary thing this bear can be doing? Um, the bear, <laughs> the bear can use toilet paper. <laughs> Wait, that's the. Th- This bear loves toilet this, paper. This movie but- happens to be sponsored by Charmin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we're making fucking Mac and Me too, but this time it's Charmin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, we got ourselves a good movie on our hands. Take it to Hollywood. Make a million dollars. If I was a tween girl and I saw an animal... What animal would it be? It'd be something fucking stupid, like a worm. A worm? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah, I, mine's gonna be a worm that um can uh use the internet. <laughs> it can text. <laughs> Daddy, don't called- kill him. <laughs> he can use Wikipedia. <laughs> And at the end of the movie, he uh, he does his metamorphosis and he turns into a beetle. Mm-hmm. And oh, he, wait, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> not a butterfly, a beetle. He's not yeah, a caterpillar, it, he's a worm. I don't think worms turn into beetles. Larvas do, and they look like worms. So you, so um, it's been a larva this whole time, but you've just thought it was a worm. And I just thought it was a worm. Yeah. I see. Exactly. Um, uh, of course, you've got to have the uh, the dramatic scene where uh, you have to send your uh, like. There's some family tension, and you and the worm have to have to separate. And mm-hmm. you go out into a field, and you're like, "No, get out of here! Get, get out of here!" And the worm just starts eating a leaf. And then I walk <laughs> away, and I get a text message from the worm that's just like a bunch of random letters and numbers. <laughs> get a you get a text from the worm and it's a it's a little crying emoji (laughs) um and what is this movie called a worm worm. oh a worm is very good yeah a worm and what would we call yours again oh i don't think we came up with the name uh oh it's called oh bear (laughs) oh worm and oh bear um they're part of a trilogy, and the third movie mm. is we meet up and we together meet a uh, injured boar. Boar? That sure. can um, tap dance. That, that can uh, play, yeah, it can what? tap dance. It can tap dance, and then all three animals form a band. Welcome to Enchanting Aspects. Um, we're forming a band of animals. <laughs> this... Uh, oh past six seven minutes um has nothing to do with what this podcast is about actually you've been fooled um we're a podcast about uh uh examining and appreciating the little things in art um yeah and so we look we take a piece of shit and we look at that instead of the whole piece of shit the whole shit just a piece of it except it's not shit i love the phrase the whole shit 
The whole shit. Yeah. Like, you know, you say you piece of shit, but if you really want to insult someone, you whole shit. <laughs> You're, You're all a whole it. shit. <laughs> um, my name is Amy. My name is Jupiter. Um, also, we enchant your aspects. Um, yeah. One of these days, we'll figure out a smooth way to have both of our taglines. Yeah, one of these days. Um, it's your turn this week, Jupiter, to start. It, it, it is my turn this week to start. Um, well, my thing this week, I'm very excited about it. Um, okay. Uh, it's a little bit of a sequel thing. I'm not going to lie. Oh, okay. It's a little bit of a sequel thing. Does it have because anything to do with Mario? It <laughs> No. No, it doesn't. Okay. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> um, last night, last night, I finished watching Elementary. Oh, shit. You watched yeah. all of it? I watched all of it. And so, so would you say you'd you'd recommend the whole thing? I would very much recommend the whole thing. Okay. All right. I would say I'll add it to the list. I would say that that truly like I don't think there was a bad episode of the show. There were definitely some episodes that were much better than other episodes and like mm -hmm. like the final season is a little strange because it's only 13 episodes when the rest of the show is like 24 episodes a season. Um, oh, okay. So like, like I think they like got canceled maybe or something or for whatever reason, like needed to wrap up the season early. Um, uh -huh. But, and I will go ahead and say uh, it does wrap up every plot line pretty much that it brings up. Um, Good. It, it could probably use a little bit more fleshing out, but again, I think it was rushed. I don't think it's necessarily their fault. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I think they got the whole story out there. It was just a little rushed at the end. Yeah. Um, but you might be wondering, what's my thing this yeah. week about the show Elementary? And yeah. Um, and and I uh, hate to break it to you, I could not pick one. Oh. So. This is everything that Elementary does right that I can remember. Oh, fuck. Breaking the fucking oh, the one rule. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, this thing is, um, I, I'm not going to talk about the overarching plot of the show. I'm not going to talk about, uh, I'm not going to get into spoilers for anything. Uh, uh, and I'm not going to bring up, like, specific character beats. Um, but, so I still think it, like, kind of counts. But um, okay. what I'm going to be doing uh, is just going through and uh, just in my memory of all of the things that I, like, remember, like, leaving an impression on me uh, of the show being, like, a really good show. Okay. So... Where to even begin? Um, well, let's just start with this. Um, so it's a, uh, I would say the the biggest sort of bummer, I guess, about the show is that it is a cop show. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it well, it's a detective show, but it's you know it's set in a police station for the like 
two of the main characters who aren't Joan and Watson. Joan and Watson. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. That's <laughs> uh, Sherlock and Watson. Uh, they're Joan. cops. Uh, yeah. Her name is Joan Watson. I I said both okay. her names. Uh, uh, but I will say about it is that um, a thing that the show does absolutely right for being a detective show is that it does not let the the police station or the police system slide. Uh, Good. For, first off. No beat cop is ever a character, really. Mm-hmm. Like, the only characters that they interact with in the police station are either uh, Marcus Bell, who is their detective friend on uh, in the department, the Captain Gregson, who is the captain, uh, and then the only time they're ever talking to any other cop is when they're accusing them of murder. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, just, like, in asides and in conversations that Sherlock has, uh, over the course of the show, uh, uh, makes evident that, like, the writers know that there are some extreme systemic problems with policing. Um. Good. And, and the show does not ignore that. It just, you know, it, it doesn't make that a focus, uh, as much. Which I think is fair. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there's even a whole, there's an episode where they even like go into how corruption in the police system can go all the way back to like a, just like a medical examiner who is corrupt and does whatever the cops want, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, I, I definitely appreciated having to, uh, uh, being able to uh, trust that the writers uh, uh, weren't just cop apologists. Yeah. Uh, but moving away from that for a second, uh, I think another thing that the show does incredibly well is the relationships between all of the characters. Uh, at no point did I feel like a character was making an out-of-character decision. Oh, good. Every everything felt totally in line. Like, like characters develop and their attributes change, and they have mm-hmm. reasons for changing, and their goals change because of events that happen in the show. And it all feels very believable. And all of the characters, like all the main characters, anyway, are honest and open with each other. They care about each other, and they like their reason for doing things uh is both personal and interpersonal uh mm-hmm. and and it's just i don't know it's just believable as hell and i really yeah. appreciate that uh uh speaking on that one of the biggest things that this show does right is it doesn't ever do a romance plot between sherlock and watson yay never from moment one to mo- to moment end, they yeah. just like they get close, but they just consider themselves each other as family, mm-hmm. and like showing like the show does a a very good job of of showing like diversity of relationship types and mm-hmm. doesn't judge between them, uh, and 
yeah, it's it's just really refreshing. Like like yeah. I like I was I was worried that there would be a romance plot at some point between them, but like I don't know. I believed at the very least that it would be decently written because the rest mm-hmm. of the show is is well written. But then they just never go there, and I appreciate that a whole lot. Good. Thank you, Elementary. Thank you, Elementary. Um, here's another big one. Uh, throughout the entirety of the show, no animal is ever put in danger. Puppies are safe in this one. Puppies are safe in this one. All animals are safe in this one, uh, for the most part. There are uh, a... A, a, a couple of occasions where an animal arrives in the plot already dead um uh-huh. uh but like it's very few and far between uh and uh the i think only really like happens three times and the last two times it happens are with a a chicken and a pig that show up already dead in the last season um but there but there are a lot of animals in this show and they uh they're never put in danger by the plot unless Good. they're already arrived like that way and even then it's hey, not even common to the they're respected and the pig what were their names oh the pig and the chicken did have names but i do not remember them okay i'm so sorry i'll put that in your report my performance report my performance review yeah. for enchanting aspects mm-hmm. Yeah, don't mm. remember names of, of deceased pigs and chickens. Okay. Wow. Um, well, speaking of animals, uh, I I will give it's not it's not really a spoiler, but it it it's a spoiler for literally like episode four or five of the show. Um, they get a turtle or a tortoise. A I pet think turtle. A pet tortoise. They like uh, on a case. On a case, there's a tortoise, and they adopt it, and then the the tortoise is named Clyde, and mm-hmm. he is present for the rest of the show. That's really and, good. And he's never put in danger or anything. It's never it's never even a worry. Clyde <laughs> is always safe. Thank God Clyde for is Clyde. Always, Clyde is always safe, and they keep having more cute shit for Clyde to do. Aww. Do they put little clothes on Clyde? Do they put yes. hats on Clyde? Yeah. Yay! Yes, That's, they do. Okay, that that alone is a reason to watch Elementary. Yeah. Uh oh. Let's see. What else I got? What else I got? Um. Oh. Okay. This one's a big one, but maybe only a big one for me. Okay. But this is this is a big point in the show's favor. Uh, halfway through the show. John Noble becomes a major character. And if you don't know who John Noble is, uh, John Noble uh, is a, he's an actor. He is, I think, most known for uh, Fringe, the TV show Fringe, uh, which is the, uh, it's a, I don't even know. It's a show about like supernatural weird events. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and John Noble is, he just tears up a script. He just, like, he has a perfect voice and just absolutely, hold on. I To prove my, I'm looking at Amy's face and, and they are not impressed. I'm like, who dis? Who dis? I don't know. Hold on. 
Hold on. Yeah, get, give me a voice. Yeah, give me let a me face let, and a voice. Let me let me uh let me give you a a a clip of of John Noble. Okay. You don't look well. You look as spry as ever. My compliments to the virgins whose blood you bathe in. I see the opiates haven't dulled your wit. Nor has old age withered yours. I didn't come here to exchange barbs. Why did you come here? Why do we ever meet like this? You've made a mess, Sherlock. Do you uh, know this that man? guy? I don't. I can. Okay, I can vaguely recognize him being as like someone one of the bad guys in Lord of the Rings, but I do not recognize him. Um, but he's got a face, and he oh, has he's a got, voice. He's got a face. He's got a voice. Uh, I can guarantee one hundred percent face and voice for this one. Oh yeah, uh, John Noble. <laughs> uh is he his performance like when i say he tears up a script what i mean is that every word that he utters when reading a script has purpose like like he Mm -hmm. understands what every word means in a situation and he like really just bites into it um yeah John Noble is fantastic. I, lo- I like when I saw this scene watching season four. When I saw this scene of four seasons of buildup as to who Sherlock's father was and getting the reveal of it's John fucking Noble, I was like, ah, <laughs> shit, here we go. <laughs> here we fucking go. And let me tell you, he does not disappoint. He is yeah. like, it's. It's great. I, I I was worried that they wouldn't cast somebody who would like live up to four seasons of build up. Uh-huh. But John but John Noble does it. John Noble does it. Shout out to John Noble. Shout out to John Noble. I looked into him a little bit and I don't think he's an asshole, but I he doesn't <laughs> Yeah. I'm not sure. Can't be he's he's in Hollywood, who knows. Yeah, John Noble, if you're an asshole, don't let us know. <laughs> yeah, don't let <laughs> Uh but yeah, just absolutely like like it's watching this show maybe want to go back and watch Fringe, which maybe I will. Uh cuz he even he plays an even bigger part in that show. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah. Uh uh my word. Um what else? I've got I've got more probably. I just gotta go through my mind palace. Should have, should have fucking bullet pointed these. I sh- maybe I should have, maybe I should have, but you know what, Amy? Fuck it. I fuck was it. sleeping. Fuck do, fuck preparing for this show. Fuck yeah, it. never do fuck it. it. <clears throat> this oh, is a <clears throat> improv show where we make up <laughs> what we th- want to talk about immediately. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm going to be honest. I like I I came off of this show l- last night and I was just like like I knew that I wanted to talk about it again. I did. Uh-huh. Uh and I I wanted to like emphasize that this show is like just just so fucking good and so like uniquely uh I think well thought out like okay Mm -hmm. here's another thing about the show is that it doesn't raise the stakes out of its grasp Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that 
is that show, so many shows are guilty of raising the stakes and the tensions so high that they can never be recovered. And that there's Oh, no- so Supernatural. <laughs> so Supernatural is one. Uh, BBC's <laughs> Sherlock is another that comes to mind. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, where, like, like, every episode, every season, every season finale is just like, it's the end of the world. You better stop mm-hmm. it. Uh, yep. And, and this show never really does that. It, it mm-hmm. understands, like, you know, it does play with, like, greater world um, implications. But, yeah. but overall, the show understands that at the end of the day, the games of rich, influential men just lead to the deaths of innocent people who are not connected to them. Mm-hmm. Like, the decisions of these influential people matter less than the fact that those decisions are impacting and killing, like, working-class regular people who don't deserve it. Um, yeah. And the show never loses sight of that. Good. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I really appreciate that as well of, like, like, okay, minor spoiler for season, season seven, for the final season, it, if, if you're okay with that. Yeah, I'll forget, maybe. The, the villain of season seven is basically Elon Musk. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's basically Elon Musk. And I'm not going to get into his plot because it's genuinely very interesting. Um, but he's an irredeemable asshole. Mm-hmm. And, like, the fact that the show is ending on, like, ends on the confrontation between Sherlock Holmes and uh, b- name change Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I think it says a lot about where the writer's mindsets were at. <laughs> yeah. When they were writing yeah, I mean, the show. I haven't seen this show, but it sounds like, you know, compared to BBC Sherlock, it tackles a lot of real world problems and situations rather mm-hmm. than, you know, just sort of fakey villainy, like, yeah, fantasy, uh, evil people, which like that, that's the vibe I got from Sher- from BBC Sherlock is like, you know, there's big bads and there's secret governments and there's uh, evil masterminds behind things. Um, right. But it's it's always shown um, in in media that the villains that are the most atrocious and that we hate more and, you know, um, you know, actually relate to the story more are ones that are more realistic and mm-hmm. in our life. Um, yeah, it's it's like 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 this show never gets away from like 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 the bad guys are you know terrible awful people undeniably mm-hmm. um uh but like at its core the plots don't get that ridiculous mm-hmm. they're they all are like based around things that feel relevant feel real and possible and like feel scary because like 
you know, in reality, there aren't a whole lot of people out there who are actually trying to, you know, tie rich people to murders. Yeah. And, like, in real life, these people get away with it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Elon Musk, the man, has so much blood on his hands. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So much blood. Like, he, no question, uh, under the, like, you know, guise of American justice system, like, on paper, he should be in prison. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but he gets away with it because, you know, money. Money. Uh, And there's even, like, a fucking line in the show from uh, one of the villains at some point, like a a billionaire, who who says uh, something along the lines of, like, like, after he gets arrested, he's like, I'm, I'm rich, and this, the person who died was a like was uh i forget exactly but poor essentially this isn't supposed to happen to me <laughs> mm-hmm. like he, he just says that um yeah and like the i don't know the show understands that like the the bigger broader games of influential people um the machinations of those don't matter as much as the systems that allow them to happen yeah definitely i don't know uh also the show is really responsible in that every time that a plot like in involves a terrorist organization they're always a white supremacist terrorist organization so realistic (laughs) yeah yeah uh but uh but yeah I, i don't know like I don't know that I can say a whole lot more without getting into spoilers. I would just say, mm-hmm. watch this fucking show. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to watch it. Like, the first yeah. time you talked about it on the show, you were still watching it, and you said you weren't sure if it was going to continue being good. So I was like, eh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, eh, I don't know. But now, now that I have the Jupiter seal of approval, I'm definitely going to watch it. Well, thank you for talking about your many things in the show, Enchanting Aspects, where we talk about one thing. Um. I, I think it still, I think it still counts because I didn't. I, I still think it counts too because it's still a culmination of you know, essentially what your thing is. The writers know what they're doing, and right, also, yeah. Uh, John is cool. John John Noble uh, just has a very good voice, and I love it when he's being evil. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, good thing. My thing. Um, my thing is also on TV. Oh, interesting. A Which very is, I special think is the TV first... episode of Enchanting Aspects. I, yeah. I think this is the very first time that we're both talking about something that's on TV. So mine is a phrase. And ah. in that phrase comes a scene. Um, and this phrase is very apo- important to um, my generation, um, specifically when we were children. Okay. I don't know if you know this, because I know you didn't watch that much TV as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell me what comes to mind when you hear, It's hot in Topeka. I'm getting nothing. Yeah, no- nothing. nothing. I mean, I've nothing. like... 
I mean, I, I've seen that phrase on the internet occasionally, maybe, but I have no place for it in my brain. That's okay. Um, I'm here to teach you about the teachings of It's Hot in Topeka. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, for those of you who do know, high five, bitch, you know what I'm talking about, hey. Um, so, first, I'm going to tell you what show it's from. I'm going to tell you about... Uh, Foster's Home of Imaginary Friends. Okay, sure. Um, essentially, it is a show about um, the concept is, you know, kids, you have imaginary friends. And once you get to a certain age, uh, you can't have imaginary friends living at your house anymore. You got to uh, take them to Foster's Home where they can live for the rest of their lives as imaginary friends. And hopefully another kid will adopt them because you're see, getting too old. See, I, I think that that's fucked up. I think that it's fucked up that that you're not allowed to keep your imaginary friend. It is. Um and that's that's what the plot of the main story is is the beginning like this kid named Mac, his imaginary friend Blue, they're best friends and he's like 12 or 10 years old and his mom's like you can't keep him anymore. You got to get rid of him. Like um, like the like the parents even know that the imaginary friends are real. Also, why are they called imaginary friends if they're real? Um, okay, so <clears throat> in this world, imaginary friends can be seen and touched and heard by everybody. They're only imaginary because the kid makes them up. And once the kid makes them up, they are real and they exist forever. Okay. <laughs> so so then I have another question, okay? Uh-huh. My other question is that um, if, if, if the, I'm accepting the rules as stated so far, mm-hmm. uh, uh, wouldn't there be just a surplus of imaginary friends just just hanging around yeah there's there's homeless imaginary friends and that's what foster's home is to give them a home and a place what? for a new kid to keep what to take the them fu- the society around imaginary friends is incredibly fucked up it is um but it is a very it's a very cute uh silly wonderful show um and the main character is well. The main character's Mac, but his imaginary friend is Blue, who is a fucking asshole. Um, and the only person who likes him is the person who created him, which is Mac. Um, but the, in a specific episode, which is called "Squeeze the Day," hate it. <laughs> everybody in Foster's home for imaginary friends. Everybody's in the Foster's home. Goes to a beach day. They're taking everybody to the beach. They're having fun. Um, but Blue is the only one who's not allowed to go because he's an asshole and they don't want him to ruin the fun. So wow. the entire episode is uh, Blue stuck alone at Foster's home trying to entertain himself like a bored Aww. as fuck kid would. Um, here's why I love this. Number one, this episode is the perfect uh, fucking... It, it is a perfect um, mirrored experience of a of a day that a child um, like me. I'm not saying all kids experiences, but like a fucking middle class kid in America um, during the summer could have had, which is being fucking bored out of your mind. Oh yeah. Um, and being home alone, and you know, especially like early in the morning when like they didn't really have kid. TV 
on all day around that time. It was like early in the morning. They they only showed baby stuff. I don't know if mm-hmm. they still do it, but they only show baby stuff because kids are supposed to be at school. Um, and then you know later in the day they finally show the 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 good shit. So there's times where you're fucking bored out of your mind and you fuck around. And I need to show you what's hot in Topeka now. I'm going to show you what's hot okay. in Topeka. We're going to watch the sure. clip. And sure. um, this this scene became legendary throughout um, the nation. Like not only in my not only in my elementary school, where like kids all the time would like recite this, but like it's lived on. It's lived on. Let's fucking watch this shit. Let's let's fucking go for it. It's going to have John Noble in it. It's not going to have John Noble in it. I'm so sorry. That's fucked up. Everything about this is it so is fucked up. up. I know. I'm sorry. Temperatures are up there, and it's hot in Topeka. It's hot in Topeka. It's hot. Hot, hot. Hot, hot, hot. Hot. Hot, hot, hot. It's hot in Topeka. Topeka. I'm a toe I'm a hot toe picker. Pick my toe, it's hot. Pick my hot toe, pick it. Topeka's hot. My toe is hot. Pick it. It's hot in Topeka. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot and it's hot and it's hot in Topeka. Topeka. All right. Das is hot in Topeka. Um, for those who can't see, Boo's fucking home alone. He's watching mm-hmm. TV. He's watching The Weatherman. And The Weatherman says, it's hot in Topeka. Well, I mean, I probably played the audio. Um, yeah, probably. But Boo's bored of his mind. And he's got to entertain himself. So he just says over and over again, it's hot in Topeka. Fucks around. Gets on a rug. Goes into the bathroom. Rubs eyebrow pencil all over himself. Has a shit fun time. And yeah. yet this... Yeah, let me let me let me hear your thoughts first before I continue. Okay. So, the well, okay, can I say that the main thought that I have right now is um is that this video is uh, uploaded on the official Visit Topeka YouTube channel? Yes. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, I was very ni- very good. Uh and and I do love that um there there's a lot of videos on here uh, i do love that that three videos later off of this clip of a children's show uh three videos later they're back on their regular bullshit uh showing a preview of the burlesque festival that happened five years ago <laughs> in topeka okay. so so that night it's especially, hot in topeka <laughs> yeah that night especially i think it was hot in topeka oh my god uh, but yeah, um, I mean, like, I gotta like, this is very, uh, very relatable. I think it's something that I do uh, a lot still today is mm-hmm. I'll just get a phrase stuck in my head and yeah. just just sort of go for it and just sort of babble oh, around yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like something about it, like for me at least. Doing that uh, ke- sort of like helps me stay on task a lot of times. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. G- gives me gives like because like the way my brain and body works, like I need like something to do uh, mm-hmm. 
like I basically like I need my you know I need to be stimulated I guess is just it yeah uh, in order to like yeah. focus on shit like right now I'm fucking yeah. playing with a goddamn uh, stim toy uh mm-hmm. to to remain focused on podcasting uh and uh doing like verbal stims like that uh mm-hmm. can be can be help can be helpful for me in a sim you could argue even that uh every podcast that i've ever done has just been me verbally stimming <laughs> <laughs> um that brings up a lot of good points that one um i definitely think that i mean i'm not a person that has adhd um or like autism or anything in that sort of spectrum but blue like i see that so much in blue um from this show and that's particularly why he probably has a lot of trouble um like socially is because he has so much um oh yeah i mean going on and (laughs) yeah well this is this is like when when you told me that everyone thought that he was an asshole um uh i immediately felt very bad for him because i Mm -hmm. very i very much know the feeling of everyone thinking that i'm an asshole uh and like it's just because i you know don't know the social cues right Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah um so so i feel like me and blue would 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 (laughs) get along yeah i'm not gonna like 100 percent say that he's like a perfect metaphor for uh stuff like that because like there are times where he's just 100 percent genuine and an asshole like he's just super selfish at times and mean um but i mean but yeah like um, you could definitely like specifically from the scene, you could parse um sure. that like this is a kid and he can't focus and that's relatable to a lot of kids. Yeah, I mean um, like that's that's the thing. Like, um, oh my god, I can't can't believe I didn't talk about the most important thing about my thing. <laughs> but oh, you forgot. Yeah, but I want to talk about it here because oh, it's no. related. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, in that like, I don't think. That it is, uh, as as an autistic person, as a neurodivergent person, uh, I don't think that it is that important necessarily for characters to be a hundred percent perfect representations of uh, a uh, mental disability uh, if they're going mm-hmm. for that. Um, mm-hmm. Partially because there isn't a way to perfectly represent that because everyone's yeah manifest because it's ways. a fucking yeah everybody's different there's not one way to do it right uh and like also like there is some like weight that comes with you know specifying a label in fiction when you're just trying to like make a character that is relatable to a specific subset of people um mm-hmm. and like it can be relatable in 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 broader ways uh and yeah. Uh, and uh, I I do want to relate this back to elementary for just a second because mm-hmm. I fucking called it uh, in the first episode that that we did where I talked about elementary. I talked about how one hundred percent Sherlock Holmes is autistic, um, uh-huh. and the show just went ahead and give, d- did me a little gift uh, because. Uh, one episode, I think in like season five, uh, they uh, meet up with a 
a character who is specifically confirmed autistic, like says mm-hmm. in words. Um, uh, although she uh, she prefers the the term neuroatypical to just talk about her broad symptoms, uh, which is mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I don't know if that term has ever actually been used. But uh, but like obviously nowadays we would just say neurodivergent. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, but uh, she says in no uncertain terms, she doesn't like give Sherlock a diagnosis, but uh, she is just like, oh, yeah, I definitely recognize you as being also neurodivergent. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and he like absolutely doesn't dispute it. Uh, yeah. And like they totally like relate and and like talk on that level. And then they have a a brief but very nice romance, which is oh. just very sweet. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it's nice to, you know, have a have a even though it it's, doesn't last for the whole show. It's nice to mm-hmm. have that relationship between two neurodivergent people on screen and yeah. it's not about their neurodivergency. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's just, re- it's just really nice. Um, and, sh- yeah. and and Sherlock in elementary is absolutely not the kind of character who settles down into a monogamous relationship anyway. So, uh, mm-hmm. but it's, it's nice that that was addressed. Um, yeah, that is but, nice. But yeah, like it, uh, relating it back to, to Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, like, Blue doesn't have to be a specific metaphor. I think just him being yeah. relatable to neurodivergency just sort of generally is mm-hmm. uh, fucking helpful for kids. Yeah, it is. And now that I'm thinking about it, like, I don't think I really don't think that the creators of the show were uh, focused on getting deep into that part. I think they just wanted to make a fun show for kids. Um, sure. Yeah. But I, I definitely can see that, you know, the whole the whole concept of, of imaginary friends is that um, the kid makes up this friend because mm-hmm. they're lonely and they're having trouble and they need a friend. And in the show, Mac is very mature. He always wants to do the right thing. He like he's he doesn't act like a kid, really, um, except he does when he's around blue. And oh. so I I feel like blue is like the part of himself that he feels like he's not allowed to be, which is a little, um, a little unfocused, a little obsessive, a little selfish. Um, and this show is cool. a metaphor for masking. This show is a metaphor <laughs> for masking. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, there's other characters, there's other like human characters in the show that like, they like kids that are weird and and their um, imaginary friends are like either mirrors of them or polar opposites of them or foils or mm-hmm. just, I don't know. It's it's a good show. I kind of want to watch it again. Um, there's a movie. We should watch it together. It's good. Um, yeah, all right. And the, and the other part I wanted to talk about of um, this whole thing, this episode, this scene is like, it really made me think about how like, I know there's still definitely some similarities now that I'm an adult, but, like, it really made me think about how different it is to be bored as an adult than it is as a kid. Because oh. as a kid, um, you are not – you're not indoctrined into capitalism fully yet, and especially during the summer, 
I mean, not universally. Like, I'm not saying this is like, this is what it was like for every kid, because I'm sure there's households and families where you were expected to work. Um, But like, for a lot of kids, um, like, during the summer, especially like, you didn't have any expectations for a day. Like your goal for the day was to have fun. Like that was the only goal you set for yourself. You did not make yourself feel guilty if you didn't do anything. Like it didn't matter if you didn't do anything. You just wanted to be entertained in some way or have fun or learn something new. And like, God, that's so different now that I'm an adult. And like, I feel so much pressure from society and myself to do something and make something every day, even when I don't have the energy to do it. And like, I, I just feel nostalgic and a little bittersweet about the scene because it's like, I can't really have days like this anymore fully because I haven't fully given myself the permission to only make the goal for a day to have fun. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, like, like when you're an adult, when, well, when you're a kid, right? Uh, uh, when you have nothing to do, it's like, oh, that's the opportunity. But but when you're an adult and you have nothing to do, it feels like wasted opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Like the time is running out and, oh my gosh, I'm not doing anything right now and I need to. Otherwise, the day is wasted. The day is gone. And yet, like, you see this scene and this is the most famous scene from Foster's Home of Imaginary <laughs> Friends. Mm-hmm. Like, Blue's Wasted Day, like, is historical now. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I, have been trying recently to allow myself to have days where I don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, it's, it's the only, I'm going to be real, it's the only reason why I was able to watch Elementary in the time that I did. <laughs> Uh, because uh-huh. I because I gave myself the time to have yeah. dedicated days off, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of value in not doing a goddamn thing. There is. You need to let your fucking body and brain relax mm-hmm. and rest, and not mm-hmm. constantly be in make creative mode or do work mode or clean mode. Um, and it's I think especially for are like this generation and sort of um you know the millennial generation of like we, we are millennials adults. yeah i mean there's so many fucking arguments about what we are because like we're later in the 90s um yeah we're later but, in yeah. the 90s but we're but like we're full adults currently mm-hmm. and and gen z is not full adults yet uh, so I think yeah. that's like the so, main distinction of why people would call us millennials. I don't think it really matters yeah. that much, but anyway, just no. <laughs> but like we are adult, we are sort of one of the first generations that we're technically adults, but we're still kind of seen as kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet we're expected to have all the full responsibilities that all adults should have yet were not treated with respect that adults should have and um, not and given it's... the opportunities because the old fucks won't yeah. get out of the way uh-huh um and it's frustrating and confusing especially because we're the first ones going through this and like we ha- we haven't we don't have um uh an elder who can like really show us how to handle 
having fun and indulging mm-hmm. in relaxing and also, you know, having to make a living because we live in a society that forces us to make money. Um, right. right. And it's hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like, no, humanity isn't measured by how productive you are. But yeah, but but capitalism measures you by how productive yeah. you are. And mm-hmm. and capitalism tries to like tries and in a lot of attempts succeeds uh, through exploitation and uh, uh, just horrendous, horrendous policy uh, does sort of aim to replace the definitions of humanity and yeah. replace them with whatever definitions are most convenient for the 200 or so people who actually make money. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, there is a lot... Like, when people talk about loss loss of childhood innocence, I think what they're mostly talking about, even, even if they don't realize it, is uh, the they want to go back to before capitalism was important to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a big part of it. Um, is in our society, uh, once you become, you are raised in a school that is like teaching you, you know, you gotta make a living. You gotta find an interest. You gotta do something that'll, that'll make you blah, blah, blah. And you gotta go to college. You gotta, Spend money and make money, and um, yet we can't find jobs, <laughs> and so. Right, right, and <sighs> then like, and then like, on uh, uh, and then like, if you have any disadvantage whatsoever, y- guess what? D- too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, coming from my side of the table here, like my my mental disability basically prevents me from being able to hold down a retail or just like steady job in general mm-hmm. and the only way that i've ever that i've been able to find success is by being able to uh or at least like success as measured by like my personal satisfaction in the work that i'm doing um mm-hmm. Uh, the only way I've been able to find that is being able to have control over my schedule and being able to have control over, you know, when, where, and how I work. Um, yeah. And, uh, and like, it's, there's no way to be happy if somebody else is making the decisions for you. Yeah. There's gotta be a, a freedom. Yeah. To, yeah. Especially if it's like what you're your pat even if it's something you're doing passionate about like it's structure can be good but also the structure needs to be structured around the what's best for you right which is why the workers of the world need to organ <laughs> I mean I'm not even joking um yeah <laughs> hey um uh, hey g- general strike anybody <laughs> So blue is a metaphor <laughs> for communism. Yes. Thanks for listening to Enchanting Aspects. Um, the moral of the story is that billionaires suck. The moral of the story is that fuck all billionaires. They all suck. Um. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, imagine, Foster Home Imaginary Friends is really cute and it's got a great style and a good sense of humor. Um, they, they've made a movie as an introductory if, if you want to watch that and get a feel for it. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's just an overall sweet, funny show with a lot of good laughs and memorable things. Yeah. Um, fun fact for those who know the show, I wanted to be Coco for Halloween one year, um. And I just begged my mom to take me to every Halloween store to look for a Coco, Coco costume. Even though Coco is a bird whose head is a palm tree and body is just a blue bird. And my mom was like, Amy, no <laughs> store is going to have that. And I was like, Mom, we got to check. Got to check. Um, you don't know. <laughs> so uh, you can follow us on <laughs> Amy, stop dying. You can follow us on Twitter at Enchanting Pod. Um, so if you want to rate us on iTunes and you leave us a review, we'll read it. If it's a five star review, we'll read it. If it's anything below five stars, we'll cry. I'll cry. Jupiter I'll, won't care. I will I'll cry. Pro I probably won't care, but I mean, it'll <laughs> matter. It'll matter, but I I won't care. Um, and we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash art deck aspects. Patreon.com slash art deck aspects. Give us money. Thank you so much for giving us money. We very much um, appreciate the money. Love yourself. Believe in yourself. Hasta la pizza. Hasta la pizza. Bye-bye. It's corrupt in billionaires. It's corrupt in billionaires. It's corrupt. Rupt, rupt. Rupt, rupt, rupt. Corrupt, rupt, rupt. It's corrupt in billionaires.